Hello. Hey. This is Joe, by the way. That's Paul. Hello. <laughs> hey, Joe. Nice Joe. to meet you. Well, you guys will be stoked. I had an interesting encounter last night. Um, I was at my hostel, and there's this 50-year-old dude, looks like a washed-up rock star, um, comes out, these busting tables, and somehow the conversation steers into mythology, the occult, and, you know, what is it all? And um, I was giving the brief rundown, and he's like, have you seen the blue woman? And... I was like, wait a minute, because um, hmm. my the feminine thing I see on DMT, she is blue most of the time. I've also seen multiple reports on DMT Nexus and the DMT Reddit group of people encountering the same archetype. Um, so it kind of comes down to, is this an archetype in the collective unconscious that is just kind of, you know, embedded into our psyche that everyone is kind of encountering? Or are we dealing with an astral plane of sorts where this thing actually exists? Yeah, and I think we talked yeah. about that when we chatted. That that was we were talking about the the Comedy Central thing. I think those little trip videos. No, that was and, the purple woman, not yeah. to be confused with the blue woman. Not, That's the purple. Not the same person. Big difference. Yeah. Mm. Let's go back to the the start. Like so, I think we talked about it before, but just a reminder. So, like, we'll go through like like your kind of your your beliefs growing up. You know, talk about uh, your talk about the, the military. Talk about that. Like not like in depth, but like this is what I did. Yeah. This is what I believed. Then you know. Then you then you uh, experience some shit. And the, then, uh, I think I think the meme for this is the brief rundown, and they usually have a picture of what was the Bangladesh twins or the the French twins that have the extreme plastic surgery. That's <laughs> it's a meme. We look it up. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, we'll basically go through that, and then yeah, talk about like the the things you saw, and then I, how you ended up where you're at, and then then we can kind of. And if it works, and is it okay if I'm sipping on a beer during this yeah, and yeah, smoking a I'm, cigarette? I mean, we would be maybe not the cigarette part, or he would, and I would be. Uh, but it's <laughs> ten in the morning here, so it's like it's a little little different. Usually, uh, I'm a couple. Yeah, they call that more. they call that day drinking. That's usually a sign that you're on drugs and probably at an after hours club. <laughs> yeah, or you live in Broderpool, Indianapolis. Yeah, there's. there's I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in Berlin <laughs> right now, so that's not unusual for any time of the day. Sure. So, what were your beliefs like growing up? Were you, did you grow up in a religious family, or are you just uh... okay? So, I was uh, I was uh, baptized a Lutheran. Um, so, I would say I was definitely indoctrinated to Abrahamic uh, belief structures at an early age, and so we can we can debunk a lot of the symbology that one would encounter on a substance like DMT or anything like that down to it's the possibility that it's just hard coded into my psyche as a result of uh, my early childhood. Um, I very quickly though dismissed these things. I always thought it was a little outlandish. Um, uh, at the current time I see it as mainly it's like, like dreams, like allegories. It's symbolism for things. Uh, whether it's real or not is irrelevant. It's the symbols mean deeper things. And, um, so, uh, but growing up, uh, I was pretty much atheist when I was a teenager. Um, I went into the Marine Corps in my early 20s. Um, I went over to Iraq. Uh, during that time, I shifted more into an agnostic viewpoint. And I think part of that was just the pressure that, hey, you could die doing this. And uh, the other part of that was I felt like the world is so ridiculous already that I felt like there must be, we must be just seeing like a sliver of reality here. There must be some mm -hmm. other system that we don't comprehend or something else. But, um, that came I've from just been, the military stuff. Like that's, that's how you started thinking more, just the fear of fear of death. And 
Like it, it forces you when you realize uh, when you're not disassociating and you realize that what you're doing could bring about the end. Uh, it forces you to really start considering and be like, okay, am I okay with this? Uh, am I, uh, is my worldview, uh, sound, uh, like if, cause this could be it. Yeah. Um, we talk about, and so, yeah, it forced thing. me to consider that. So part of me thinks that shifting into being agnostic was potentially, uh, a result of just being in a situation where I know I could die. Um, but this viewpoint did stay with me afterwards. I went to college for filmmaking and visual effects. Uh, I've always been a huge, huge fan of like 80s movies and uh, just movie magic in general. Um, and uh, I worked in Hollywood for a little bit of time, uh, mainly doing like 3D depthing for movies. Awesome. So I did a lot of the 3D depthing on the first Avengers movie. I have an actual retroactive credit on Titanic, which was technically came out when I was uh, I was in high school, but I did the 3D depth thing for parts of it. So on That's IMDb, crazy, uh, it would be under G-E-O-F-F-G-E-I-S. It's my middle name. Um, but I'm stoked. I have a credit on a James Cameron movie, so fucking cool. Um, that industry sucks. You don't make a lot of money in it. Uh, it's very saturated and it's kind of toxic. People are pushed into doing ungodly hours because they're desperate to get their names on the credits. Um, so I switched over to information technology. Um, I literally just grabbed a laptop, installed Linux, VMware, Windows Server, and just started playing around and uh, then started interviewing for IT jobs. Um, I did that for about a decade. And then during the lockdown, um, I had dabbled with other psychedelics and I was very, very curious about psychology, about what all this is, how the brain works. Uh, and of course, DMT constantly comes up on the spectrum of uh, psychonauts and uh, that it's kind of the ultimate. And I did some research on it. I learned that it's a simple acid base extraction and, um, you know, not to say, I'm not going to say I did anything, but I figured out how to come across DMT. And uh, I did that my first time uh, through a dab rig, the proper way, uh, cold starting. And uh, basically, I loaded 80 milligrams because I didn't know better. And uh, I blacked out for part of the trip because uh, I remember I was playing music in the background. What, what do you suppose? What's 80? Back, is 80s way too much? I, I have no idea because I've not experienced 80 it. 80 is like, way too much. What's uh, the norm? The average breakthrough dose is actually around, you could be 25 to about 40 milligrams between there. It really depends on your body weight and other factors. Uh, DMT, from my experience, also is a very finicky, weird drug. It has almost a mind of its own um, because I've, smoked enough of it to break through and not had breakthrough experiences i've also had breakthrough experiences off very small doses like actually 15 milligrams to 20 milligrams uh before mm -hmm. it, was this was this I the first time you've done a psychedelic or was like uh what did you done before no no that? no. I, I i'd done mushrooms and acid before that so i but let's be real mushrooms and acid really doesn't compare to the experience you get from dmt it's not um I don't feel it's on the same plane because I've done heroic doses of these things and it's it feels more internalized to me. And I'm going to say to me because I think that psychedelics in general produce such a varied effect on the individual and on the individual uh, subjective consciousness. Um, I think our minds play a huge part 
as far as how we perceive the journey and what we're introduced to. And uh, so I think there are almost no rules to this. Do you feel like that any of those experiences before DMT did anything for you as far as like changing your mind about uh, the world, you know, being an agnostic that wasn't, you know, from being an atheist to an agnostic, um, maybe from your war experiences or anything, like did anything change from taking those or not really? It was just a good time. a bit of a resonance with the Abrahamic stuff. And I think, again, that's just because I was indoctrinated to it at a young age. Um, My debunk of that usually is the fact that there's many other religions in the world. And why would an almighty God, per se, favor certain insights over others and put people in positions in which they are just not subject to the right content? Bingo. Yeah. That's why I deconstructed, too. Yeah. Uh, so it is it is interesting. There's a lot of really interesting conspiracies with the Abrahamic stuff, especially when you get down into the uh, Sumerian, Mesopotamian, Babylonian eras and when it transitions into it. Um, the fact that Yahweh was originally uh, a Canaanite uh, god that was the consort of Asherah, who was also in a relationship with Baal. So we're talking like an open relationship, yeah. pretty edgy stuff for early <laughs> periods of time. Naturally, for the uh, monotheistic viewpoint, they eliminated that. They wrote out most of Asherah from the Bible. There's slight references, but it's mostly gone, and Yahweh is like the supreme uh, being. And you can get deeper into the conspiracy hole that Yahweh is the demurge, uh, the Gnostic idea of a false god that's pretending to be God. Um, and you can get even deeper in that in the sense that the uh, Lilith or Asherah being the f- divine feminine or mm-hmm. being the snake in the garden potentially is actually the real devil, but the devil isn't evil per se. The devil is just a deistic uh, system of two polar opposites. And exactly. that Yahweh's on one end and the divine feminine on the other, basically kind of fighting, creating the uh, order in the universe. And then to bring this down to reality, we can look at this as kind of psychological, allegorical uh, constructs to explain a physics system in which two opposites are creating existence between them. Paul, I, I really like you. Yeah, I should I should have <laughs> warned you. Like, if you talk to Paul, I mean, Paul and I. So we did like the pre-interview thing, which usually isn't very long. I think we talked for like an hour and a half, and I had yeah. homework after that because I think I had like six things I wanted to Google after we talked. And I think like it's it's for this. It's, it's like putting links to all these things so people can well, learn about it. He's literally speaking my language. This is all the stuff that I think about and I talk with my fiance about when it comes to religion and science and duality and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is awesome. The it's adver- not adversary. the type of conversation you can have with normal people. Like, I stay at a lot of hostels, and if the conversation starts steering into this, I literally have to do the thing, because I think I'm a bit autistic. I have to do the thing like, excuse me, are you ready for this conversation? Do you want to have this conversation? Because it's like, it's 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 going to go off. Did, did you try and have this conversation with old Lemmy Rocker, dude? I don't know. I picture him like I Lemmy did, from Motorhead. Just- I, gave, I gave him the brief rundown, and... You know what was hilarious was his answer was literally uh, the, um, I can't do the thing about that, aliens. He was like, it's it's aliens, dude. And um, <laughs> I was like, sure, you know, that's, uh, you know, if we think of aliens as just a, a, um, a namespace for something beyond us that we can't explain potentially mm-hmm. managing the systems we exist in, then sure, that's quite possibly what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're getting into deities and stuff, like, why not? Like... Like why couldn't they be aliens if they're if they're not us if they're something else I don't know 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's all a perspective thing. I mean, we're aliens to animals. So <laughs> yeah. Anything foreign from this, this planet. So angels. Well, gods. I always think of the standard xenomorph when I think of aliens. Yeah. So right. <laughs> that always, it always pops. It, that's actually a reoccurring archetype in my dreams too. Uh, whenever my subconscious wants to chase me around in my dreams, it always seems that I think part of it is the fact I played through alien isolation and yeah. part of it is the fact my subconscious just it, it likes stalking me as the xenomorph for some reason <laughs> well i mean if that's coming up uh on dmt or something i'm sure hr uh, geiger saw all that shit not um, yet okay not yet um knock on wood yeah okay so we're getting to your, your was an 80 milligram dose of dmt and you're yes, and by then um, you're at your uh in it I, uh, you're married, man. You're what? What are you doing then? Like I was married at the time. Yeah, I'm divorced now. Um, obviously, because I'm with my girlfriend right now, and um, that would be a sticky situation, would it not? Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll edit so, that part out if you were still married. We could do that. Yeah, eighty milligrams. Okay, so I picked the worst music I could have put on during this. I put on some very aggressive, like dark synth wave, and just went to town on this. And I remember there was a picture on my laptop. I was, I was picking, I was writing a story and the story was about, there's this female protagonist in it and she's a demon, but she becomes the good guy later on. And when I write these things, I pick out pictures on Google of different characters, you know, people that look like them to write the character and kind of vibe. And that picture was up on the screen and I saw a ring of fire like erupt around it and the eyes were glowing and it started kind of coming out. And when I say coming out, it's not like in the movies where something pops out 3D. It was like hyper dimensional, like this is real and this is on a level you can't comprehend. And I was just floored and I was sitting upright on my bed. And strangely enough, I blacked out for a good five minutes, but stayed upright the whole time, just sitting. Uh, no problems. Uh, and then I came back with kind of faint memories of experiencing something that was just goes beyond words. It was very uh, Lovecraftian in nature. It was like mm. you'd go insane if you tried to comprehend it with your human brain. And um, at that point, I was still getting some flashes of like visuals and um, what do you call it? Like, like visions. I would get detailed visions that would pop in from time to time and they were hyper detailed and they made sense and then they went away. And I saw something that was like a grid network that was like uh, suspending everything infinitely. And I saw what looked yeah. kind of like mechanics, uh, like hyperdimensional mechanics kind of holding everything together. And um, that's kind of that what point, I saw in a near death experience. And the question is, is this just a common trope in our brains? Because we want to understand, we want to think that there's a framework holding things together and it's just emulating that. Or is there really a framework? Yeah, did did this experience come from my own brain? Did I make this up? Or is it literally me transcending to another plane of existence? Right. And you know what's funny is too, when people argue about this, well, there's no there's no substantial evidence for this. Well, I'm like, if we lived in an enclosed system uh, and we were a lower dimensional plane in that system, like say computer programs running in our world, would there be any evidence? For this, you know, I, I, I think it would be pretty uh, isolated and compartmentalized as well. So, again, it just falls into the thing of we just don't know. Well, who are you after that? Like, I mean, is that was it a, many experiences after that or after that one? It, it was like game changing or did it take a while? I took some time off after that. I was like, <laughs> wow. Um, 
I spent probably about a year or so after that. And then um, when I went, I went through my divorce. I went back. I lived with my parents in Portland, Oregon. And during that time, I experimented a few more times. I was doing it on the full moons uh, every month, basically. And uh, I would encounter the same entity every time I would see her. And uh, it was always as intense, always as overwhelming. Uh, and every time I did it, I had that thought in my mind, like, oh, God, this again. I forgot about this. Why am I agreeing to this experience? Um, and then I'd come back from it, though, feeling really good, like just really refreshed, uh, like a reboot. Uh, and so, yeah, and I did that for a little while. And then eventually I decided I am just going to automate. My, my father had died around this time. Um, I had acquired enough resources that if I was smart with my finances, I could um, automate things. And I did. And I decided I'm just going to pack a bag and I'm going to fly to Madrid and I'm going to just start wandering Europe and we'll see where this takes me. I mean, was it because uh, of your, your DMT experience that like did that drive like the changes in your life? Did that drive divorce? I, I, that I drive? would say definitely. I don't, I don't think without these experiences that made me kind of question the reality of my environment that I would have the confidence or the, uh, the, the gusto to like go do something like this. I mean, did you just kind of feel like this is, this is all bullshit and I need to, what, what did you need to explore? I guess like, uh, I mean, I get it. Like you, you just, that day to day was not working for you. Uh, sticking with the same things you had to go out and explore and find new things to make you happy or find meaning. I, I kind of was just trusting in the universe. Like I'm just going to let things fall in place. And I told myself, you know what, if this is all chance and I'm just delusional, then it's a good experience because in that case we only live once and I want to have good experiences. I want to, I want to live vigorously into the fullest. Uh, and otherwise if there's more to it, then cool. Like this is like some straight movie shit right now and exciting. What, uh, can you touch on one thing? What, what did you mean by automate? Uh, what did you automate? Um, I made investments. So I have like dividend kickback from the investments. I made property investments and I gave loans out to people in my family who are paying me back. So it's passive income. Nice. What was your relationship with this blue person? The blue lady? Um, I, so part of me feels like this is, uh, this is the character I was writing, which was called Lane. Uh, this, uh, this demon warrior, that's kind of like, you know, like Lilith slash Kali slash, uh, what, what other feminine goddess can we say? Uh, Babylon, Nuit, uh, Ishtar, uh, the Shikena and the, uh, Shiva. Um, Kabbalistic faith, the Barbalo and the Gnostic faith, uh, Asherah. So all these like strong, uh, like the embodiment of the feminine spirits, the, uh, and, and the more the revolutionary embodiment of it. So not the nice feminine, the one that will fight to make sure that they prevail. Um, and that's kind of what went into that character. So for me, part of this experience could have been my subconscious just making this character a reality uh manifesting it as a personification for me to deal with or maybe it's the other way around maybe the character i was writing was an entity or something that was channeling into me and working through me to kind of refine itself i really don't know well what did what did the guy at the hostel say about the blue lady was it the same thing that you've seen or just another blue person interesting enough yeah he said 
Blue Lady was her tongue sticking out that she seemed kind of collie-ish and crazy. And uh, he said he saw her on acid. Um, hmm. So I was like, that's interesting. It's another substance. It's a psychedelic, but yeah. he's seeing similar archetypes that other people have seen. And I've come across the same description inside the forums uh, numerous times. Other people have encountered it as well. Yeah, it makes me think that it's actually touching a plane of existence. And I, I would choose to believe that that is actually what's happening based on other conversations we've had with people uh, on various things, being able to connect uh, with real life people in their dreams, uh, which is crazy. So like literally, I think that there is another plane that we're experiencing. I think it's uh, I, one thing I've noticed from the DMT experience is I've never had the warp tunnel experience where people feel like they're going somewhere else. For me, it's always dropped in on my environment. It's been like, I'm already here and I'm already everywhere. I've always been everywhere. And now it's just, I'm becoming aware of it. Well, I like that. I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I, I think I've told you before. Like, I don't really know what I believe, but I think of all the things that I've read or heard from people, like, I think that seems like how I would perceive it. That just that we're all the same. We're all part of something. And I don't know. I need, I need more it, life experience. It's the idea that, your brain is a, you know, a receiver and you're picking up on frequencies and that in sense, the brain is not the thing creating. It's like a, it's like a, a driver in a computer system. It's basically yeah. just processing information. And in this case, it's processing the information about our reality or the, the uh, environment that we're in, that we're sharing with other, other nodes of existence. Um, and then that there's this other stuff outside, but also, like I said, it could just be the brain. It could just be the fact that the brain is there to make uh, to make sense of chaos. It's there to organize data. And uh, something like that is very creative. And something that's very creative will come up with all sorts of, you know, outlandish scenarios and uh, environments and ideas uh, that we experience. Yeah, that's one of those where, like, if we are the universe experiencing itself, like, is that just us or... Does this rat, is it also a receiver of a different part of the universe experiencing itself? And I think when I think of it that way, it just gets a little bit more, uh, uh, it's kind of, it sounds dumb, but like I think of it that way, it's like you're staring at your dog and you're saying, your dog having a similar experience or is it, you know what I mean? I, I think it's weird because if it's, if it's more than us and more our brains, more than our brains. It's, it's funny you bring that up. I was literally talking to my girlfriend today and we were talking about dogs and I was like, it's interesting because dogs don't see very well. Their scent is their eyes. Basically that most, mostly what they smell is what defines their environment, why they're sniffing asses and all sorts of weird shit. <laughs> it's because it's like literally their brain is putting together, you know, like a flow chart of sorts based off all these scents that they're, they're putting together. And that is their reality for them. Makes sense for them. Oh, but that's so bad. Uh, uh, I do like a like a flow chart associated with a dog sniffing an ass. It's probably my favorite thing so far. I'm 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 still you know I'm still I'm still putting it in a human way. I'm sure it's way more weird and we'll say alien than that for a dog. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we do create our own reality in general, just like with our own experiences. But I mean, they're they're going and saying now that we definitely like manifest our actual reality around us together, which is even crazier to try to comprehend. But um, it it makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, it sounds like when you guys get high, you have much deeper thoughts than me. I just think things like, what if what I see is blue is actually green for you? And we don't know uh, that we don't see the same thing all the time. And like, 
dumb little shit like that for me. It's always what what gets my brain. Well, spinning. I mean, that's that's perfectly <laughs> valid. You know, like I'm looking at a, a a red dice ashtray, but you could see a blue dice ashtray, but you call it red. So in essence, we are in agreement on the logical information, but we're perceiving it differently. Okay, yeah. I feel like that's less dumb, but it's something that I've thought about like a lot in my life, and yeah. You, you've had those experiences now you're ready to move and you've 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 got all your finances in order and you've uh, moved to europe like what what are you doing now like what from there, uh, i mean I've been, tra- I've been traveling for like well over two years uh, i've been to south america europe both uh west and east europe uh southeast asia i haven't been up to asia yet uh and i want to go to australia um but uh these are all things on the the distant list at this point i'm actually trying to find a little bit of stability because I want to get back to writing again and I want to finish the story I was writing and I've been kind of jotting notes the whole time and uh, I want to get kind of a little bit stabilized so I can kind of get back into focusing on my art. Do you have a plan on like everything that you want to see before you stop? Like, is you know, get to Australia, make all these stops and then you'll find a place to slow down at? I go under the Buddhist philosophy in the sense that uh, setting expectations uh, leads to suffering. So in essence, I'm not trying to say I have to see these things or that thing uh, because I feel like I'm just going to set myself up to be upset. Instead, I'm just trying to kind of be grateful for what I run into, what I encounter, uh, where life leads me. And that's been working really well. Uh, I've had so many awesome experiences since I've been traveling, just kind of letting go and not... uh, not trying to control and it, you know what it's funny it's just like that with psychedelic trips if you go in trying to control things you're going to get hyper slapped but if you go in and just like i'm open to whatever experience is best for me uh i feel like the subconscious uh kind of respects that to a degree or whatever multi-dimensional framework we're dealing with seems to kind of respect that that's yeah. really cool. I mean, that's that shows that like that psychedelics changed your, your mind in a way that it's also influenced your life enough that that's kind of how you how you drive now. So that's that's really yeah. cool. That's really cool about the uh, letting go aspect because like what, versus like manifestation and like the law, law of attraction and trying to put out vibes like I see myself here already doing this thing and then that leads me to accomplish that goal sort of on its own. Like a even like with the TED talks on fake it till you make it, same kind of process in the mind. But if you're also letting the chips fall where they may, uh, and kind of taking things as they come and experiencing them in that that sense, uh, both things seem to work. But you're right though. If you do if you do set expectations for something, if it doesn't come through, it will feel like absolute suffering or like you're a failure at something. Um, I need to find balance between those two things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's really any clear path. It's if if there was, everyone would be happy. You know, like everyone would be like, "Oh, I just don't have to do this thing anymore." Yeah. Um, it's it's we live in a very paradoxical world, and this gets into the kind of the polarity things in the sense that we live in a world of opposites, kind of in a strange way, complementing themselves, uh, creating existence or creating the spectrum between that. And uh, in essence, sometimes we just have to accept this is stuff our brains can't necessarily comprehend, but we're here. Love that. So as you've traveled, are you still uh, experimenting with DMT and doing things like that, or is it something you've not do, you don't do anymore? Or I've had a few choice encounters. Um, I was in Colombia for a while. I spent a month uh, living in the rainforest, working with a shaman and just cooking ayahuasca. Um, it's also during this time I learned a lot of the extraction techniques. Uh, 
necessary. So I practiced, uh, I did a lot of like what's called SDBs or straight to base extractions, uh, and kind of learned the nonces of that. Um, and I did a numenario, which is like nine days of ayahuasca in a row. And then you, on the last day I did three cups and I did Wilka seeds, which are just packed with DMT. And, um, it's, it was, it was, incredible and not incredible like i actually collapsed and pissed and shit myself on the rainforest floor um i uh i had a moment uh you would go on high doses of ayahuasca like i will be honest low doses of ayahuasca are not that bad it's not like what vice uh articles say where they're like it was so intense and it's it's not uh, like one cup of ayahuasca is in my opinion not that crazy um, when you get onto like three cups, uh, you will go in and out of breakthroughs like DMT. Like you'll have moments where it's like, Oh, I got to sit down. And then you'll kind of go where I wouldn't say it's out of body, but it's like the, the, the stuff your mind is creating becomes your reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you'll go in and out of these, uh, phases. And I had a moment where I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I felt like something was pushing me down saying, you don't exist. You don't exist. And I was, I screamed, I do exist. And then according to the guy trip sitting me, I stood up, pissed and shit myself and then fell back down. And it was absolutely epic. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I had that experience. I don't think I want to have that experience again, though. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, DMT and ayahuasca, I, what's the difference to you as far as like what, what you get into? Uh, ayahuasca usually for me feels it's more like a vibe. Uh, you'll get a little bit of the... Um, what do they call it? The uh, threshold effects where stuff starts looking HD. Uh, stuff will look HD and it'll look a little alien. Like you'll look at something that you're familiar with and be like, I'm not familiar with this anymore. What is this? It's kind of like when you repeat a word over and over again and you suddenly the word sounds weird to you. Yes. That's kind of what happens visually. Uh, you start looking at things are like, that is so weird. And it looks very sharp and you can kind of feel the vibe from it or the energy from it. Uh, you'll get into those states. You can shut your eyes and you'll kind of see maybe visuals and scenes, uh, but it's you still know your body is there and you still, you're like, I'm observing a film, basically. Uh, on the higher doses, it's more like you go into those scenes. You you And when you cross into them, you have this ego death where it's like a dream. You're fully convinced of the experience. You're like, this is my reality and this is totally normal and I don't even know who I was. That that is amazing, actually. I well, I was just talking about this phenomena uh, on a TikTok that I had just done, where like your perception does change. I, I actually experienced an ego death and the same sort of thing. I've never connected them together like that, though. Um, but yeah, if you stare at something long enough and it doesn't make sense anymore, I was talking about like looking at a painting until you don't even see the same image anymore. I was thinking about my perception of like the monetary system and like the world and how it looks to me. And now my perception is so different, but I still have to exist in it and, and survive with the means of the monetary system. And yeah, it's kind of like a slap in the face sort of, but it's awesome. You just like, can just follow the, uh, the whole experience and just chase it in that visually. Right. Uh, is that kind of what yeah, you mean? It, um, and you know what you said also, uh, this ties into what's called rapid acceptance, which is, um, if you're in a chaotic situation, there's no sense in thinking in the future or the past in the sense of you're thinking about things you can't change and how upset you are about it. You kind of just have to accept it. This is reality. Now, what can I do in this moment to like deal with this situation? And I think that's also something I kind of learned in the military. 
Um, but it came, it came into play later on with psychedelics because you would, I would end up in situations on psychedelics where it's like, this is hell right now. This is hell right now. I don't like this. And I would be like, yeah, there's nothing I can do about this. So just adapt, just get used to it. This is your reality. Just, just play with it, have fun with it. This is different. Um, so there's a degree definitely of like mental formatting that has to go on. And I think that when you get the hang of that mental formatting, it can come into play later on in real life situations or stressful situations uh, where it can really be beneficial. I mean, I think it feels like that might be why they can use psychedelics to treat things like depression and anxiety, because I think there's an acceptance of that discomfort that maybe plays, like you said, like can translate into real life. I do think, though, that there should, if these things are largely used, they should be in clinical environments with uh, psychiatric professionals to kind of work through this because um, I did slip into a bit of psychosis uh, going through this when I traveled. And from my experience, I'm sure a doctor can correct me on this, but what I noticed from psychosis was your subconscious will have a narrative, something it wants to believe, and you have enough data that you're coming across with numbers, symbols, words your subconscious will have a confirmation bias. It'll start nitpicking from that data and finding connections in it. And it'll start saying, see, see, the the narrative you want to believe is true because you're seeing these coincidences. In essence, if you look at the statistics behind it, there's enough data there that it's not really that coincidental. You're basically just cherry picking from it and potentially getting a dopamine burst from your brain when you notice the connection so it feels divine. Um, that makes sense. So there is, I do feel that DMT does push you into these states. And the problem with psychosis is if you believe the narrative, if it becomes a delusion, it can lead people into all sorts of crazy decisions. Uh, I would cite the guy that shot Ronald Reagan. He thought Jodie Foster told him to do it. The, th- the, the fact of the matter is he's watching enough Jodie Foster that she's saying all sorts of things. And eventually his brain is just nitpicking the stuff she's saying and putting a narrative together to complement what he wants to believe. So in essence, I think that it should be done with psychiatric professionals because they can at least kind of help debunk or steer things in the correct direction, or at least discourage if things start going in a bad direction. Yeah. And I think I, what I've learned today, I haven't learned today, but like a lot of the things we've read and talked about is like ayahuasca seems to be more earthly. Like it does in like the DMT, you know, they say the blast off thing. It seems like there's a big difference there between the two. I think the other thing I learned today that uh, ayahuasca is a lot like Tommy boy. Uh, when you say with the, I can't, I can't help but make the joke. If you remember that movie when they're talking about roads, and when they have a uh, the nitrous and it's all like flowing into the car, and they're <laughs> reading signs and they're like roads, 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 yeah. and they're just like, I don't know if you remember that. I had to, make, I had to make the joke if you can't that put that was, together. That was a hilarious movie, and I always think of the part when they're trying to pitch the insurance to the guy, and he lights his car on his desk on fire, and just. Uh, <laughs> Such a ridiculous. I I miss Chris Farley a lot. Yeah, my my shitty pop culture mind just instantly uh, puts the movies or usually the Simpsons into anything we're talking about. So, but that's that's how it's yeah. supposed to be. What when you mentioned delusion and and needing a psychiatric professional to help you on on your way, like there there is something you can do for for some of those things. Like if, when you're experiencing thoughts, if you observe your thoughts. Um, and ask questions like, where is this thought coming from? Is it coming from like an insecurity of my inner self or is this an actual thing occurring in, in reality that I need to deal with? Um, I try to do that in real time with like every thought that I have. 
uh, to keep me from falling into a path of delusion. I don't know if that yeah, can be I, I, done. I, mean, I agree. I think I, I agree completely. I think uh, like an example of where this goes wrong is like, look at all the QAnon stuff or we can, we can break right. QAnon down to it is uh, it is basically new world order conspiracies with kind of a biblical Satanist uh, conspiracy on it because it's catering to certain types of people. I think the people that prescribe to this have a lot of post-life trauma. I think that they're mm -hmm. paranoid of things because they've been fucked over at points in the world. And I think that the narrative that they're following, they've, they've, they're again raised with an Abrahamic faith. So they're using that as kind of the texture on their delusion. And they're following this delusion because they're fearful. They've, they've seen examples of bad people. And so therefore they think the whole world is bad. And I think that that's an example where a delusion or psychosis uh, can get way out of hand. And I think that it's very important. A lot, like a lot of how I was able to check this stuff, but I just read a lot of books on psychology and I started applying it to what was going on with me. And I feel like, again, the average person, if educated on these things, can actually discern uh, reality from make-believe at a point uh, if you have the right information. Yeah, back to the fear-based um cause and driver of a lot of people's uh actions uh fear has so much control over people if you let it it does uh and i mean you can get down to the, you know your animal brain it's uh it's a factor naturally that we we are animals uh we are fearful to survive it's a warning it's saying something's not right here you should be extra alert um i have a little bit of ptsd from iraq and uh i've learned that sometimes i'm in a hyper state of analyzing my environment too much to the point where i have anxiety from it and it can get overwhelming sometimes and it's a driving force you know when you think of the fact that you have all these chemical releases in your brains that kind of dictate the perception of things it's uh it, it makes sense I mean, from all of this, I think the interesting conversation we had when we talked was because you're so well-read and you've done your own research, the question, I guess, is like, how much of it do you believe is you and how much is manufactured through your brain? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm still on the, I'm just going to say, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, and uh, for me, uh, I, I know that I've grown up on so many movies and read a lot of science fiction books and stuff. I know that my subconscious can be very creative. Uh, so part of it could be that. Um, but like I was saying, it's like that perception thing, right? Is it, is, am I generating the experience or am I channeling something else that's generating the experience? Am I picking up on something else? And I think it's me. But you had some other experiences too, where you thought that, real life and your your psychedelic experiences like tied together so like the blue lady was just one example but you had some others that had happened to you i, I yeah I've, I've had some interesting i guess you call it synchronicities um probably one of the one of the i think two of the ones that i i think are incredible were um on one of my trips, uh, and I still just out of respect for the possibility that maybe this is more than I realized, I was told a name, a very specific name. I googled that name afterwards, and it was a name used for a character in a literary RPG. And she had silver hair, blue skin, long fingernails, elf-like, glowing eyes, mm. just like the entity I saw by the name I was told. Um, so to debunk this, uh, I would say potentially my subconscious picked up on this before and, you know, decided to, uh, elaborate on it during the experience. 
or maybe it's something else. Um, I had another one. I was reading Carl Jung's Red Book. Uh, I've read it a couple of times. I was going through it another time and I was, I had put it down for about a month and I picked it up one day. I was in Turkey and I was reading it in a cafe and I was on the seven sermons of the dead, which is like the last portion of the book. And I got a message from two friends that day that did not know I was reading the red book that did not know each other. Uh, and they linked me a video on that specific part of the book, the seven sermons of the dead. So mm. on that day, they're linking me the specific part of the book that I coincidentally picked up that day after a month of not touching it. Um, so I think still on the probability spectrum, that's pretty good. Um, one of these friends was not very spiritual one was so the spiritual one we can say well there's a good probability he probably would be in the carl young or come across such things the other one actually was pretty distanced from the stuff and literally just said hey my buddhist instructor showed me this video and i thought about you with it um and i guess he thought about me because i'm always talking about carl young but still it's a pretty good coincidence uh i've had experiences where three people have dreamed about me at the same time and messaged me saying hey we all dreamed about you last night yeah. uh again people that don't know each <laughs> other um i've had experiences where i one time i dreamed i was ghost busting and when i woke up uh i had a friend request on instagram or a follower and this person had a ghostbusters shirt on and it had happened in the night when i was dreaming about <laughs> ghost busting um i had one where i was playing uh doom eternal and I had a ridiculous amount of hours in that game. And I had a dream where I was playing my Xbox and I saw a blue screen. And then it said, nope, was like was like past tense. Uh, the next day, my game crashed. I saw the same blue screen and I lost all my data to it. Uh -oh. um, so I've had some experiences like that. Um, interesting stuff, man. You know, like some of these... Uh, I would normally kind of debunk these if they just happened by sheer chance, but I've had enough of them that I'm kind of like, that's interesting that it's happened so many times. So again, the rational part of me says your brain is just hyper filtering. It's just a confirmation bias. Uh, but then, you know, part of me says, you know, if we are part of a bigger system and we're existing on a lower dimensional level, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of evidence to prove that, but we might see occasional glitches in the matrix. Well, okay. So like our brains are, like you were saying earlier, we're like antennas so we can receive and broadcast. And we've, we've talked a little bit about um, how people pray or think positively about people or just thoughts in general and, or like putting your idea out into the world. Uh, we just can like channel energy straight to people directly. Uh, so were you thinking about those friends that contacted you like were you kind of putting no. those vibes out there for no them? It, it, it actually surprised me because i wasn't i wasn't thinking about them uh i hadn't talked to them for a while actually that's wild uh, one of, like okay so one of them is uh a guy i knew when i lived in the san francisco bay area i used to be into street dancing so popping and cutting and uh like to the uneducated person it's break dancing uh but someone that's partaking in it there's these sub styles popping is like basically the dancing robot it's like doing the mind robot but doing it to the music and uh there's sub styles that go under this and i knew this guy he was a he's an og which means he was from the, the generation in the 80s that originally did this stuff and i used to hang out with him he's living in taiwan now and uh he was one of the people that messaged me and that was the one that had the the buddhist instructor he's never really been spiritual he was always kind of He's kind of thuggish, you know, he's kind of like a typical uh, 
California. He was a Samoan, uh, kind of a kind of a gangster dude. Um, and then the other one was my friend Joe, uh, and he is more of a hippie. He's someone I knew from going to festivals and raves and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, both these guys really had nothing to do with each other and uh, hadn't talked to me for a while. Didn't know what I was doing. So it's it's interesting that you know those data points uh, correlated in that moment. I mean, did anything come from that? Like, if you guys are communicating, did something bigger happen from that? Was there a reason that you guys, you know, after you had those communications? Not that I've seen yet. Yeah, and I, I know that maybe we're trying to think along the lines of maybe this is setting up for a bigger system that we're not aware of from our perspective. Uh, I haven't noticed anything yet, but, you know, I'm definitely paying attention for such things because it is curious and it would it would lay down some evidence one way or the other. Yeah, well, it's like I was thinking about Kai. So Kai's the guy that that runs um, that now runs trips for people to go to South America to do ayahuasca with the shaman. But he he basically had said, you know, he he had an experience where he under ayahuasca where he reached out to his mom and had this communication. And the next day she called him and said pretty much the same thing that they he had in that experience. Um, but it's more like you know, a lot of the the these experiences seem to be the things that you needed at the time. That's what people say a lot. Like, that's the thing I needed to hear. Do you feel like that's what those things were or some of them are just coincidence? Um, I mean, I think sometimes our subconscious being the, you say if we're computers, if we're biological computers and the subconscious is like, you know, the brains of this, uh, uh, I think it knows exactly what we need. It can see when we're steering in the wrong direction or we need, we need some sense knocked into us. So I think in a sense, uh, Stuff like this is like the, the the spiritual parent per se. Um, Universe. Say you know, at what extent these systems uh, extend out to, or whether it's just a personal internalized uh, scenario. Kind of like the universe course correcting or giving you the experience that you need because that's the one you know, you're having the experience you're having because this is the one you need type thing. In all these mystic religions, we always talk about the higher self, you know, the part of us that exists on the spiritual level. Uh, if you get into, so there's a long line of occultists. Uh, there's like Olympus Levi, Helena Brokowski, uh, Aleister Crowley. There's kind of these people that are mm -hmm. passing down specific information. And when you get to Crowley, Crowley's an interesting one because he's largely looked at, they're always like, oh, he's, he's evil. And it's just because he was edgy during the Victorian era. Uh, which, if you're edgy during the Victorian era, of course people are going to think you're terrible. Um, so, he has a system called Thelema, and in their doctrine, they're going on Kabbalistic structures, and they believe that there's a thing called the Holy Guardian Angel, and that the HGA, I'll, I'll abbreviate for it, is a thing that comes into your life when you need it and starts guiding you uh, towards, like, think of it as if everything is planned out, or has a way it's supposed to go, like we're in a, a movie and everything's scripted and everything's playing out, that the HGAs come into play when certain things have to happen and there's extra guidance is needed. Um, some people think the HGA is potentially the higher self, that it's you, uh, and that it's just the part of you, like an echo, sitting out in another dimensional plane. Um, some people think it's a separate entity that's been assigned to you. Um, some people even think that the Abrahamic God is the demurge of the Gnostic God or the devil, the, the false God, and that the uh, HGA is just an extension of the demurge that's just leading people. Um, who knows? Uh, for me, though, it's uh, I think that there's these are all 
fantastical ideas that could come from the individual. It could just depend on someone's creativity, or it could be one of these many probabilities, uh, or it could be all the probabilities. Maybe we're in a quantum realm, and everything we think of is an actual existing plane that happened and will happen and did happen, and maybe we're just experiencing one sliver of that. Because you've been well-read and you kind of got into it, like, what is your take as far as maybe how psychedelics have help found like found and maybe shape a lot of religion um i mean i think we can all agree most uh there's there's kind of a common trend with religious prophets right they they leave society for a while they go out on their own and they isolate they disappear and then they come back with divine knowledge uh i think because uh, i've talked to people that have done these uh these buddhist uh, uh silence retreats where they're not doing psychedelics at all they're just going and isolating for a period of time and i had a friend that did that he said he came back claiming to see auras you could see the energy on people um so i think that there are states uh through meditation that are similar to psychedelic use that you can put your mind into uh again in a grounded sense we could be your, it may be just a form of uh, subconscious programming, uh, kind of like NLP or neuro linguistic programming. Uh, I think a lot of magic falls into this. You're reciting words and looking at symbols that represent deeper meanings that you may not even be aware of, and you're programming your subconscious through it. Um, part of me yeah. thinks maybe manifestation doesn't exist. Maybe you're training your subconscious to actually seek out the things you want better. Or maybe manifestation does exist, and there's a quantum level of existence outside of time, and wanting or desiring things brings it into the world, and then you have to do the work to reach it. It, it seems like it may be a combination of both. Um, are, you, are you aware of the fact... Okay, well, so there's a CIA document that was released about the gateway program that they've got for uh, meditation and astral projection and hypnosis. And essentially turning the left side of your brain asleep allows anything to pass through to your right side of your brain and fully accepted by your right side, um, which is how you hypnotize people, is putting their left brain asleep and then passing them information. Would this have anything to do with, like, you know, uh, delta theta wave states? Yeah. Things get compartmentalized when you shift into those wave states. It's why you forget your dreams or why they don't seem to make sense. I almost feel the not making sense part could be like a stroke simulator. When people go through strokes, uh, common stuff just seems really weird and random. And I almost wonder if the, if the things we're encountering in dreams maybe do make sense. Uh, maybe it just feels like a stroke as they're coming back. It seems like gibberish because the brain just can't process it. That's an interesting thing to bring up. Um, I'll have to look more into that. But yeah, the uh, if the hemispheres of your brains are uh, like the binaural beats can make uh, those wave patterns change. So you're able to accept things in your sleep uh, as well. It's like if you can reach the meditational states where you astral project uh, megahertz that's on is it's like 44, right? Um, it's, I'd have to go back and look at the actual data to see which ones, uh, but they're, they're really low. Actually, it's like seven Hertz to something in between there but it's like a warbling effect that allows this alpha alpha state but this was outside psychedelics right what was what was the cause of this like this was just like some sort of donnie darko thing flying out your chest meditative state they were trying to they were trying to get astral oh. projection down so yeah they could have people help you and get information like like actually uh 
purposely remote view certain information, basically. Okay. But yeah, this is without drugs. Yeah, that's of what any I thought. kind, yeah. So I guess after all this, like, you know, and this is always the, the big question that goes with it is like, what is your thoughts on maybe why we're here and, and what, what is after this? I mean, I, I feel like if this is all a simulation, the point is singularity. The point is for us to build up uh, AI technology that loops everything together, can analyze the data, connect the points, and uh, make things instantaneous. Uh, I mean, I guess if I was outside of here looking back in, you know, like what would be the point of making some primitive world that's, you know, of a lesser value than the world you exist in out there? I guess it would be just kind of loop things back in on itself, or maybe it's like the the, the Brahma concept, you know, where Brahma's dreaming. This is just us splitting up and experiencing and learning from uh, the illusion of separation. Yeah, but if this is a dream, is is this who we are outside of this dream, or did we just manifest these meat people? <laughs> the forums, I've heard of people say, "Oh, I know the truth. It's a joke." It's just a big joke, and maybe it is. Maybe this is a big April Fool's joke. Maybe, maybe it is the um, what is it? The, uh, the the divine comedy, right? Like maybe we're on a reality TV show, and spiritual entities are laughing their asses off at the very stupid things we get ourselves into. I uh, I subscribe to the idea that no matter what, we're somebody's ant farm. Like if it's gods or aliens or whatever. And I made a funny skit with. Uh, god and the devil uh designing a computer game where it was like humans in the planet earth and you know they have to like worship me or they're just going to spend eternity in hell it's like well that's really arrogant you know like <laughs> so i mean but either way it's it's like literally uh if it's all a chance just like created by a chance it doesn't it doesn't seem to have any meaning so that that subscribes with nihilism uh, but like, why would that just be? Why would why would something just bang? If you can imagine complete nothingness, it feels like there's something that had to create that bang. There's an ethical dilemma that a lot of atheists will cite in the sense of God is immoral and evil, therefore there's no God. Uh, nature is evil, there's no God. But uh, you don't know what the nature of something bigger than you is. It could be like a wild animal, right? And maybe God's a giant cat. It's a big spiritual cat. Yeah. Cats do, they push things off tables. And well, that's also the assumption that, that a supreme being would have to be good. Yeah. Yeah. The so. power of meow. <laughs> <laughs> just wants cuddles and purring. Yeah. Catnip is our sacrament. So I guess, like, after all that, do you do you have uh, anxiety about death? And I guess, what what is if you had to pick from all the things that you've conjured, what do you think happens? I, I go through my ups and downs, just like I think every other human does. Uh, I have moments where I feel like I'm in hell and like everything's against me and the world sucks and I have moments where everything feels great and uh, I'm thankful. Um, I think that's just part of the human experience. I, I don't think you're supposed to experience things without that. Because, uh, I, I, you know, if we knew everything, if we were God and we knew everything, would there be a point to any of this? Like, it, there'd be no mystery, there'd be no suspension of disbelief in the movie, there'd be no excitement. Like, maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is for it to be so real and so incredible that we learn something from it and that what we learn is down to the individual. What, what you're supposed to learn as an individual, and maybe that's why we all have vastly different life paths, experiences, you know. It gets into the idea of some people are just born into situations and it's like, 
pure luck. It's like some people are very unfortunate, some people are fortunate. It seems like a very unjust, unfair world, but maybe that is the point. Maybe it's that we're supposed to experience that. So when you die, you go dark, or you die, you go somewhere, or you, or you. I guess I'm curious. Like again, like if you don't have a definitive answer, I'm just curious what you what you think is the most likely for you. Um. So I've done five and Neo, uh, uh, Bufo. My experiences with Bufo that's a little different than NN is that it's less visual and it feels to me like I'm just going to sleep. Like it's over. I'm turning off, but it's a very peaceful. You ever know when you're like you've worked all day and you're tired and you're just looking forward to going to sleep you're just like i just want to shut down and not think yeah experience i just it felt like that when i did bufo and it felt very peaceful and it felt like thank god this is over um i think there's the potential that maybe it's like that maybe we are evolved bacteria down a rock and a void and when we die we turn off and i think uh that might be a good experience in itself too because sometimes this whole thing can be very overwhelming so at the bare minimum in believing that there's nothing and that we turn off i don't think that's such a bad thing either because we all need to rest and so uh and maybe there's something more to it but i guess i look at it as we just don't know and i'm going to live my life to the fullest chase my artistic endeavors make friends and uh do the best I can, and I. a lot of this also comes down to just not being a piece of shit, because also I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go through this and end it uh, not being proud of myself. I think self-love comes into this a lot, and when I say self-love, I don't mean in the egotistical sense, I mean in the sense of, I'm okay with myself, even my insecurities yeah. and my flaws, I'm okay with that because it's the best I could do, it's what I was given, and I think that that's, Maybe when we go, if we were to tie this back to the lesson, what are we supposed to learn? I think it's self-love. I think we're supposed to learn to accept ourselves. I love that. Yeah. Forgiveness for yourself is, seems to be really hard for a lot of people too. Um, people are able to forgive others before themselves a lot of times. Uh, yeah, but doing all of it for you and for the betterment of you and not for some cat in the sky who's watching us. <laughs> Shitting in a box. <laughs> well, let's make it a thing. It's trending. <laughs> Hashtag cat god. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you you wanted to ask? Uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about the blue lady. Okay. Your uh, your friend seeing the same thing on a different drug, uh, on acid, uh, and people talking about it all over Reddit and other places. It, it makes it makes me think that it is an actual entity and not something created in our own minds. Um, but we did, we did talk about like how people sometimes see the Joker uh, on DMT. Oh, the jesters. Oh, the jester. The yeah. machine elves. The jester is when you lie to yourself about something, when there's a conflict between your conscious mind and your subconscious, and it's the subconscious poking you. It's saying, oh, you know better. You know better, but you don't want to admit it. I wonder what the, the blue lady means then in, in relevance to the jester. I mean, I, I, I got a, a very Kali vibe from her, like you, Kali representing, you know, time and destruction and the end of such things, uh, but also being, she's she's very dualistic, she's good and bad, uh, so I got this kind of that vibe from her, like this all-powerful kind of feminine uh, 
aggressive feminine change spirit. But that's kind of like what I was saying earlier, like as far as ties to religion, if people were doing DMT or something with DMT in it at some point, could that have been the birth of Kali or those different entities or those different parts of religion? Like how much of that came from religion? Like you said, like if they go off into the woods and, and, and uh, trip balls and come back and like, I saw a blue lady and then there's a blue lady in all these different religions as a, as a deity. So it's kind of weird to tie in like the outer world to the birth of religion to a degree. You can look at it as a very supernatural plane that connects everything in which these ideas are real. Or you can look at they've been passed along through religion and they've resonated with both. And even if you get into, say, epigenetics, where we talk about how our DNA has certain data, history coded into it, uh, you could say that these ideas pass through that. So on a biological level, you could say that some of these ideas are, they may seem like an ethereal concept, but just be hard-coded into our psyche and more resonant in our psyche because of how much we pass the idea along. Yeah. Well, one one last question. I, I like your t-shirt. Well, can you tell me what molecule that is? I forgot we were doing this today, and I happened to just put this on, uh, and it's, I guess it's, yeah, it's DMT. It's, uh, <laughs> hey, there you go. We got that connection thing again right there. Well, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah we're, we're losing your audio here a minute. The, yeah, the connection's a little unstable. Some people, oh, it's the CIA. They're, they're, they're cutting in on this because we're talking about the truth. We, yeah, we must have got something that they didn't want to hear. <laughs> Can't let it out there in the world. Well, dude, I, uh, I appreciate you coming to talk. To, uh, again, I had a good time talking to you the other day. Uh, but yeah, hopefully one day we get to meet in person because I would love to pick your brain about more stuff. But for now, we can let you get back to uh, living life. And uh, thanks for coming to talk to us, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was awesome doing this. I really enjoyed the opportunity also to just kind of expel all these ideas a bit and uh, get them out of my head. Yeah. yeah, no, it was great, dude. And uh, thanks to your girlfriend for... Uh, uh, yes. allowing us to borrow you. Thank you, girlfriend. <laughs> and, she, and she has to listen to all this and our, <laughs> our dumb questions. So we appreciate you as well. Yeah. Really nice to meet you, Paul. You too. All right. Thank you, man. I'll be in touch. Bye. Bye, man. Peace. Yeah, my internet still wonky. Yeah, it's still going. Well, I think it has to... Uh, well, it, was it just your internet or was it maybe his too? Because he was saying that it started raining. I told you that, dude. Super smart. Yeah, that like, was that was really cool. I really enjoyed talking with him about stuff. I feel like his uh, his outlook uh, resonates highly, highly with with stuff that I like bounce off of ideas with my fiance like all the time. Like it's really, really cool to hear somebody else talk about some of those things and, and also bring a different aspect from the opposite of manifestation and letting the chips fall where they may. Like that being a complete uh, duality of balance. Uh, between yeah. those things he's just so he's well read and like he sees these things and these these coincidences or like these again can be can't even be coincidence because like some of those oh, things, he's wearing that t-shirt today that he forgot yeah. that he was supposed to be on this interview are but, you kidding me like but that's so awesome <laughs> i mean he, he dismisses them because he's done this reading but obviously yeah. that they they mean something but no, it's just, there's no coincidences in my mind he's very I don't know, like just the way like the way he thinks and like that he's done his homework on everything and and then in the end like even though these kind of magical things have happened to him, he's still open to whatever it may be. So mm -hmm. yeah, he's just a neat dude. And I, yeah, I hope to talk to him some more. You could, 
put him on like 40 different podcasts about 40 different topics and he would kill on all of them. Oh yeah, for sure. He's, he's, he's awesome. But yeah, did DMT, got a divorce, left everything, living life. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Even the shaman thing. Yeah, for sure. And like the, like pissing and shitting yourself at the same time after three cups, like drink, drink the three cups. It's like the three seashells and, and the ocean. Eat man. the whole box. Yeah. You know, take the whole box. 